0: Thank you, worship team. I hope everybody's been praying. Because if not, you're not going to like what I got to say. I know when you're in tune with the Holy Spirit, people just have to speak the word of God and you get excited. So if you're not excited tonight, uh, call whoever's discipling you. Ask them to teach you to pray. Hallelujah. There's a lot of things that have been going on in my heart and mind when I got a phone call today to preach. However, I snuck a peek on the calendar the other day. And I knew I was going to talk on Romans. But because I'm one of pastors, guys, you got to always be ready in and out. Amen? Okay. I never met a valid gunslinger without bullets in his gun. He just wears guns to be showing off. but He's not really ready for a fight. If your guns aren't loaded, you're not really. Well, anyway, I'll move on. Your pastor was saying here that if you weren't knowing certain things of the Bible. That you'll be frustrated. And I remember Tony Kemp came and he was talking to Sister Chella and us upstairs. And he said that frustration leads to visitation. And he said, visitation will lead to revelation. And that stuck with me. I began to study it and study it and seek the meanings of it a lot. And here we're going through the book of Romans. Has anybody been frustrated? Amen. If you ain't frustrated, I don't know if you've been uh, grafted or adopted into the body of Christ. Suffering and hard situations are inevitable and there's nobody exempt, especially when you raise your hand and you accept Jesus Christ into your heart. Especially when you say, I want to be adopted into your family. It's a guarantee that you're going to have sufferings. And we're going and we're studying the book of Romans. And Paul wrote the book of Romans. You can debate that, but I don't think you'll go too far with that. And Paul, we know what Paul did was he was an apostle that went and traveled and did missionary journeys and he started a lot of churches. And then on occasions he would get reports about those churches and then he would write them letters addressing those issues. He would write the church of Corinth addressing their issues or Galatians about perhaps maybe they need to learn how to get along or Ephesians. And he would address these occasions. But when he wrote the book of Romans, he wasn't addressing or writing a church that he had started. And he wasn't getting reports of problems there. He was writing Rome because he wanted to go to Rome. He wanted to go to Rome and then from there to Spain. And so when he's writing Rome, when he gets there, he wants them to have correct theology. But he don't only want them to know what the word says, but he wants them to know how to put it into action. Paul always taught theology, and then he broke it down into practicality. Say amen. He didn't want Christians or the people that he was writing to, those in Rome, to just know the word and what it means and how to break it down, but he wanted to know, therefore, that you should have the renewing of your mind. The first 12 chapters is pretty much theology. Then on chapter 12 on, he breaks down into the therefores. But the first 12 chapters aren't exempt. He still does some practical stuff in there. But we know in chapter 12, in verses 1 and 2, he tells you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And nobody's broken that one down better to me than Pastor Esteban. Because he studies the Jewish traditions and what it meant at that time to those people. How your mind and getting cut and your feet. And so Paul writes 12 chapters. And then he tells them, now you should offer yourself as a sacrifice. And he tells them that this is done by the renewing of the mind. Tell your neighbor, I need a new mind. But then he breaks down the rest of chapter 12 into love this and love that and be patient and be kind. He starts breaking down the attributes, really, of Jesus Christ. But I want to go into a little bit of Romans 7 and then land in 8. I believe chapter 8 is probably the most imperative book in the world. Romans 8. In Romans 7, You hear him saying that what he wants to do is what he don't do. And what he don't want to do is what he does. Have you ever had that happen? Have you ever said, I'm not going to do this no more. And then the next day you start it again. It's not even 8 o'clock. You haven't even had your Cheerios yet. You haven't even cracked the box of Wheaties and you already did what last night you said you weren't going to do. Have you ever said today, man, or tomorrow, I'm going to start loving this person more. I'm going to start being a little kinder here. I'm going to stop doing this. And then the next day you didn't do it. Huh? In Romans 7, Paul was describing this kind of a battle. Then he says that he's convinced that there's another member warring that which in the members of his mind. Then he says, oh, wretched man that I am. He cries out. He says, man, every time I want to do right, I do wrong. And every time I don't want to do wrong, I do it anyhow. Oh, wretched man that I am. What's the matter? Who's going to save me? Have you ever been there? That's called frustration. Paul's describing somebody who's frustrated. And I'm thinking that he puts that right before chapter eight because it's imperative to you and my walk. It's imperative that we hit these points. So if you're there, tell your neighbor, you're in a good spot. If you're going through it, tell your neighbor, you're in a good spot. To get frustrated is good as long as you know that frustration or desperation should lead to desperate measures. And there's only one measure that a Christian should take and that's the one on his knees. To cry out to Jesus Christ. To recognize that he is the only one that has the power to save you. He says, oh wretched man that I am, who will save me? And as you go on into Romans 8, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. He starts breaking down what the law cannot do. He says that Jesus Christ is the only answer and the only thing that is powerful enough to save you. No matter what you try to do on your own strength, no matter what you try to depend on, you can try doing all the right things, you can uh, obey all the rules and behave like everybody wants you to, but you're still going to be miserable, you're still going to be frustrated, you're still going to lead to death. It says that the law of sin leads to, but the law of the spirit leads to life. Trippy, right? Law of the spirit, law of sin. All chapters up to seven, he's talking about the law and justification. And that is only found through the grace of God. But he's also pointing out a picture that you and I are pretty much doomed. That you're condemned. Condemned is a legal term. But he tells you that now there's no more condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you right now, man, you might be frustrated. You might be feeling that there's no hope. You might be caught in some kind of a sin or something, and the guilt and the shame has got a hold of you. I'm going to tell you right there, you can't experience victory with guilt and shame. And some people think that God is here to give you wrath. No, my friend, God is here to give you freedom. God is here to give you victory. And Paul is writing Romans because they're smart in Rome. That was the center of the world. Philosophers, smart people, thinkers were there. And so he knew who he was addressing. And sometimes, my friends, you and I are a little too smart for our own good. Huh? We're listening to that gray matter that's in between your ears. And the devil knows how to bombard that mind. And he knows how to tell you that you're no good. He knows that you've been living a life separated from God. And through that life, you haven't been filled. And and the word of God hasn't been instilled into you. And so there's a lot of doubts. There's a lot of fears. There's a lot of things that tell you that you're no good. And Paul is trying to say, man, let that go. That's too heavy of a weight to carry. You're never going to experience freedom. Trying to carry guilt. Trying to carry shame. Trying to carry condemnation. He wants you to know that in Christ Jesus, there is freedom. Freedom. Paul also brought out like Clint Eastwood or John Wayne way before they came out in the movie screens because he says in verse 18, for I reckon. But he says, I consider, he says, I consider the suffering At this present time, are not being, are not worth being compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us and in us, for us, and conferred on us. He's saying that you're going through stuff and it's not even worth tripping on, it's not worth considering. Is this right? Is this ain't? oh, my God, stop tripping. He says it's not worth it, man. Keep your eye on the price. Ah, There's a reason. Tell your neighbor there's a purpose. Tell your other neighbor there's a plan. There's a plan. The plan is salvation. And the purpose is to conform you into the likeness of Jesus Christ into the likeness of Jesus Christ I was talking to a sister today and I said I bet you arrived here like a penny and now you're copper wire (laughs) you've been getting stretched and she said it's a good pain I said a good pain are you into that stuff She said, No, but I want the outcome. And I asked her, What's the outcome? She says, It's making me into the image of Jesus Christ. I said, You got it. You got it. Church, what Paul wanted the Church of Rome to know is you have to start knowing. Not here, but you got to know with everything in your whole being. You see, when things are happening, there's a voice that will tell you there's a reason. And there's a purpose. But you don't want to go through it. And you don't want to pay a price. Why? Because there's other voices telling you that it's not going to lead to your benefit. That it's going to cost you too great. That you might lose this and that. And Paul's trying to tell you it's not worth considering, man you got to look forward into the glory. You see, Paul's writing here that everything is about salvation. And everything's about a destination and a plan of Jesus Christ. Not your plan. And not plans, plural. But there's a single plan here. And he says in verses 28, man, and 29, that is to conform you into the likeness of the first son, which was Jesus Christ. He's trying to shape us to be more like Jesus Christ. Tell your neighbor there's a purpose. There's a reason why that you're having those problems with your spouse. Well, pastor, she doesn't do this and she doesn't do that. Maybe he's trying to give you patience like Jesus has. Maybe he's trying to produce an agape love like Jesus has. He's trying to produce godly characters to make you back into the image of Jesus Christ. Did I say make you back? Why did I say make you back? Miss, Yes, you did. You sound like a person in court. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I've seen you before. (laughs) When you were created, you were created into the likeness of, into this image. And now he's trying to get us. And so we go through things. Have you ever sought God out with frustration and desperation when everything's going good? Or is it when your kid is causing trouble at school? That will make me get on my knees. What am I going to do with this kid? I need to make decisions about their future, man. I'm concerned. I don't want them to go down the wrong road. God. When you go down on your knees with this type of frustration, he will visit you. And when God visits you, he shows you things. Frustration leads to visitation, which leads to revelation. And he'll show you. He'll show you what he's trying to do. He'll show you how much he loves you. He'll show you that he's not doing this because he has a destination of wrath for you. But he wants you to learn how to go through things with joy, peace, and victory. Tell your neighbor, you could sing in the rain. You could sing in the rain. Listen to me. When Paul wrote Rome, had he gone through any trials yet? Had he been whipped yet? (laughs) Had he been gone through... Huh? Yet when you hear Paul writing, don't he sound like he has confidence and joy? Huh? He don't sound like a guy like, well, church again. You know, you're going to go through stuff, but it's just because they're telling you. No. He's telling them, look it, man. You're not going to find the way to do it in the law. You're not going to find it, man, in religion. But you're only going to find it through the assistance and the aid and the partnership with the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8, it says that the Holy Spirit will even intercede on our behalf, man. He's always talking about the mind because he's talking to smart people. He's talking to intelligent people. So he's telling them, you need to start thinking, man. You need to focus, but you need to stop focusing On the wrong thing man. Start focusing on the word of God. Start focusing on your destination. Start focusing on your purpose. Start focusing on your plan man. And you got to get it. All through your system. To where you know. Daniel says for those that know. Their God. Will be made. Strong. And do great and mighty things. Isaiah 45. He says that I will go before you. And he says that I'm going to do all these things for you so that you will know. Tell your neighbor there's power in the knowing. There's frustration in not knowing. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know what's next. You start getting frustrated. Yeah. But when you know, you could stay cool. Huh? You know what I mean? You'll be so cool, rain will turn to ice when it drops. Give a penguin a cold, Pastor Manuel. That's the cool. Paul remains cool. Jesus in the boat, when they're panicking, he's trying to teach them and get them to the part in a spot to where that they know. You got to know who's with you. You got to know who's in you. You got to know who you belong to. Pastor Ralph Gonzalez came and he's talked about the imperativeness of knowing who you are. Huh? He said from slave to son. He don't want us to be slaves, but we need to recognize that we're sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. Sons and daughters that serve. <laughs> Okay, a slave don't know how it is to be a son, but a son could still serve. And a daughter, okay, don't all of a sudden I'm, I'm a hair and I don't have to do nothing. That's contrary. Yes, you should. Because Paul's trying to lead everybody into obedience and worship through the knowledge of the gospel. The whole thing about Romans is the gospel. The whole thing about all Paul writes is the gospel. Ask me to break the gospel down. I'm going to try to dance like that guy. No, I'm not. (laughs) My wife said, Don't you ever dance in public. You know what I mean? It's just winning sinners back to Jesus. That's the gospel, that's the whole thing, that's the truth. How you do it and get skillful at it and techniques. But it's to win people back to Jesus. Sinners. Amen. That's the gospel. And here Paul's trying to explain to Rome because he wants to go there and make sure they have correct theology. They're smart and they rely on all kinds of other things to give them answers and to give them solutions and to make their problems easier. A lot of people think you only need the gospel until you reach the place of salvation. But don't ever think you don't need the gospel every day you need the gospel every day every step of your life every decision, every waking moment, you need the gospel of Jesus Christ every day, every moment we need to strive to get closer to Jesus Christ if anybody here has arrived already, let's fill that thing up with water and let me see you walk on it, I don't think you're there but I'm going to tell you something you can walk on God's promises you can walk on in the word of God and you can go through situations uh, you can go through storms man you can go through life devastating situations and it won't phase you and it won't rock you and it won't move you and you're able to do it with victory you're able to do it with joy in your heart uh, you're able to do it with a song in your voice uh, so stop it why am I going through this because he loves you. He loves you too much and me to leave us the same. To leave us the same. You see, he explains all the law there in Romans 8 and how it only leads to death and how. The law of the Spirit is life. Sometimes we need to readjust ourselves. If you're feeling frustrated, it's because you're not focusing on the Word of God. You might be trying to, but there's a whole lot of members warring against you, trying to bring doubt. Now the Holy Spirit will intercede on our behalf. Why? Because you and I don't know what to pray for. We think we do. I hear a lot of prayers in other churches. A lot of smart people. They're praying all kinds of stuff. And you know, hey, okay, cool, right on. But I know my mind gets in the way of my prayers. Because I got one of those minds, man. I want to know everything. Huh? I want to, you know, I want to know God's plans, and then I want to give him advice, man. Thank God for God. The Holy Spirit will intercede. Because the spirit to spirit, then he will receive messages from God. And then he tries to drop them into our brain. And what we need for the renewing of the mind is to let those thoughts uh, take a place in our mind. And we need our old thoughts to go. We need our old ways to go. That's why we struggle. That's why we go through things. Because God is trying to push out the old way that you react when you go through trouble. He's trying to push out the old way that you react when you're facing a situation. And he's trying to replace it with patience and love and kindness. He's trying to replace it where you don't keep a record of wrongs. He's trying to replace it where you work for his purpose and plan. Are you with me? Hallelujah. You have to get into the knowing. What does it say in Romans 28? For we know. Right? What is it? All things work together for good. A lot of people use that all screwed up. You know what I mean? I mean, you hear, I had this partner of mine. He says, Greg, did you know that alcohol is your worst enemy? And I said, Is it? He said, Yeah, but the Bible says, Love your enemy. (laughs) You can twist the word any which way you want to suit your desires. But all things work together for good doesn't give you the right to do whatever knowing that it's going to end up right. What it means is God got this crucible. It's a a container, so to speak. Like where they make medicine and they put some strychnine maybe or bad things in it. Things that in itself is very dangerous. And then things that are good. But all by itself it might not be good. I heard somebody say it takes ingredients to make a cake. And I love cake. Why are you laughing? It's like jello. But if you ate just flour, it ain't good. If you ate just sugar, it ain't good. You ate just vanilla extract, and you get good. Amen. We start focusing on our situation. We're focusing on our child that ain't acting right. We're focusing on our spouse. We're focusing on our finances. And we just see that one thing and that it ain't no good. But we got to see it as necessary that that coupled with that and that and that is going to make me more Christ-like. And I want it. Do you want it, church? Do you want it? Do you love Jesus Christ? Do you want to be more Christ-like? Do you really want to start being more loving? Do you really want to be more patient? Do you really want to start doing the right thing? Then, my friend, we have to come under and allow God to do what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Who shall save you? Jesus Christ. Who can do it? The Holy Spirit. Who must I give in to then? God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus. And if Jesus is for you, who can be against you? If Jesus is for you, who can be against you? Tell your neighbor who can be against you. You have to know that Jesus is high and everything else is low. You see, when Paul talks about the law of sin, he's not talking about the Mosaic law. And he's not talking about the law of the land. There's a different law that he's referring to. Have you ever heard of the law of gravity? Huh? The law of gravity says that if I drop you from a 20-story building, you're going to need a few aspirins. (laughs) You get a headache. That's the law. Well, the law of sin equals death. But the law of the spirit brings life, man. And we have to start knowing this. We have to start getting this all through our whole being to where we know without a doubt, man, I need to let go of these other laws, man. And I need to start letting the spirit drop things into my spirit. I need to start letting the spirit drop things into my mind. I need to get a renewed mind. I got to change my perspective, man, and stop looking at the now and every situation as a now and I got to start getting a long range vision onto the purpose of God. I'm going to become more Christ-like. I'm going to become more loving. I'm going to I want it. I'm ready to pay the price. I'm going to stop tripping, man. Is this worth it? Is this worth it? I'm going to stop tripping. When my mind starts tripping, I'm going to say, it ain't worth no more to trip, man. I want it. I'm going to go through it, baby. What you doing? I'm becoming more christ-like man hallelujah and you gotta know who can come against you who you see the devil ain't nothing but an old toothless lion now if you don't know he's old and if you don't know he's toothless He's going to go, and you're going to probably have to go, just take another change of clothes. (laughs) But if you know he's toothless, and you know if he's old, and you know he has no bite, and you know that Jesus Christ is powerful. You see, the word law there means power. Huh. The power of sin leads to death and the power of the Spirit leads to life. That word law is interchangeable to power. The Holy Spirit is, 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 is a force that brings power. The Holy Spirit is powerful. Way more powerful than the power of sin. But you need to stop it. You need to stop succumbing to this man. And surrender to this. You need to start focusing your mind to where you know without a doubt man. There's part of me that's still doubting. Stop lying there in the doubt. Stand up into the knowing. Walk on the knowing. Walk on the rock. Walk on the word. It will sustain you. It will refresh you. It will renew you. It will give you power. It will give you victory. It will give you. You'll know that you are more than a conqueror. What's a conqueror? Well, conquer means win. (laughs) But conquer means a little more. It's like how we're going to do the police. (laughs) We ain't going to just win by a little bit. Go and slaughter them boys. Just kidding. was the old man. Conquer. That's devastating winning. And you're more than that. Huh? When you know who you are. When you know. Tell your neighbor you got to know. We've got to walk in the knowing. And no longer doubt. I believe this struggle here is for each one of us. I don't believe nobody is exempt. Otherwise, why did Paul write such a well-populated main area of that time, these things, if it wasn't popular, if people wouldn't understand what he's saying? So I know for then it's still imperative today. You understand suffering. You understand things that don't go your way. You understand, man, I want to believe and I want to walk into the light of Christ, but I'm having a little bit of a hard time. There's still some doubt warring in my mind. That's why Paul explains that there. Some theologians say that Paul was on a backslidden state when he wrote that. And I think those guys shouldn't even have a theory or a theology. Because Paul wasn't writing Rome. From no backslidden state. He was trying to explain to them the process of Christian life. He was trying to break down correct theology and what you and I must do. And he was trying to bring, paint a picture for them to understand and then maybe say, hey, that makes sense. I need to do that. And I'm hoping tonight that you understand that what you're going through is normal, it's part of the Christian walk. It's necessary. Tell your neighbor, it's imperative. It's a good word. It means necessary. (laughs) I went to the sixth grade. I could be a brain surgeon. It's imperative. It's a must. It's needed. The Greek word is die. In order for this to come to pass, that has to happen. In order for maturity to happen, and you're in my life, we have to go through these stages. And Paul was describing somewhat of an immature uh, stage, like Pastor or Reverend uh, Matthew hit on the stages of grace where he said, I think it was the third stage of grace to where now you start letting your character change. You start wanting to change. And you start trying to do different things, but you find out you're struggling. And you're wondering, can I really do this? How am I going to change? That's what Paul's describing. Then he leads them into, look, man, don't start carrying all that guilt and shame. Okay? You okay, baby? There's no condemnation. Don't carry all that stuff. Learn there's freedom here. Freedom in the Spirit of God. Freedom in the Holy Spirit. Freedom in life, man, in the spirit. The law of the spirit is life. Just This is happening to you for you to learn a lesson and say no more to the world. No more to the flesh. No more to those powers that are battling against me. I'm going to close the door. I'm going to stop wavering because it's natural to waver at first. But now he's trying to get you to where now you're walking straight. You see, at first you're born and you crawl and you walk. Now he wants you to walk up and straight and strong. And you have to say no more. And I'm going to start walking in the knowledge, man. No more am I going to be doubting. No more am I going to be wondering. Matter of fact, that's a waste of time, man, to be tripping. I'm going to start walking on the knowledge of the word of God. Every day I'm going to take in the word of God. Every day I'm going to use the gospel. I need the gospel every day and all day. That's my daily bread. Uh, That's my answer. No longer is it the law. Uh, No longer is it philosophy. No longer is it the world's reason. But it's out of every word from Jesus Christ. Uh, You're my savior. You're the only one that can save me. With you for me. Who can be against me? I'm more than a conqueror. And he wants you and I to get there. Are you with me? I'm going to make an altar call. I had to make an altar call long, 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 long time ago. I was in prison. And I knew if I got on my knees, somebody might see me. And word can go up that Greg's on his knees. I could get killed. But I knew I had to not care what anybody thought. I, had to, I knew I had to want this more than anything. And so I got on my knees, man. So, tear tender came by from San Jose to get the little wheel out to save. Uh, And I'm on my knees, man. I'm going to make a call here. Don't be ashamed. Stand up and say, I want to be more Christ-like. Say, I want to stop fighting and wavering. I want to now walk straight and strong and true. I want to stand on the word and the promises. I want to walk in the knowing. All that means is, look, I've been saved now. I've been walking with Christ. Now I want to mature and become a spiritual adult. If that's you, these altars are open. And you just come and talk to God any which way you want. Any which way you want. Hallelujah. I make this altar call every day every day every day there's something I know I need to change but I know I don't have the power I know that I can't fix it by myself some of us are fixers man we try to fix everything we try to call everybody to get an answer but Paul says here only the Holy Spirit can do it the only one with the power to save is Jesus Christ So you need to cry out to Jesus and only Jesus. Let your heart cry out. Slow your mind down. And just let your spirit talk to His. Abba Father, Daddy, I need you. I want to live for you Lord. But I know I can't do it without you. Forgive me for that at times I have doubt. And I want to be made strong. I want faith like little David had when he fought Goliath. But I realize right here through the word that this only comes through struggles. That this only comes through trials. And fire, just like the purification of silver, the refining of silver, it has to be hot. I know you have to put me in the fire, but I trust you.